Okay, well, we got to part number five of our saga series, and uh, this is the last part today of the series. Uh, we discovered in week one that a saga is a long story of heroic achievement, and uh, we discovered that over 2,000 years ago, there was a man called Jesus Christ who came to this earth, gave his life in an heroic achievement, and so he gave his life for you and for me. So now we are part of this saga of life, then we discovered what happens in life when we're in that waiting period when we feel like nothing is happening, when something good has happened, but it's finished, and we know something good is to come, but what happens in the middle? We discovered what happens when God comes into our lives and fills us with power, and uh, that there is power in Jesus Christ. And if you are a, are a believer of Jesus Christ today, then the Bible tells us that you have the Holy Spirit living in your heart, and the Holy Spirit has come to empower you. Uh, we also discovered what happens when we are sent to action, and and, uh, and that we are to be people who will do what God has called us to do, go where God has called us to go, and be who God has called us to be. But we've got to, to part number five today, and uh, we're calling this today Beyond Borders. Beyond Borders. You know, this week, I was glued to the TV like I'm sure the majority of you were. Uh, Monday night, I, uh, I looked at the TV, and, uh, and, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then, uh, like, like, like what we do today in today's society, years ago, like a family, you know, they would go around the dinner table, then they would be all glued around a TV. Well, today, it's like the TV's on, I got my phone, I'm looking at social media at the same time. I'm not really paying attention to either of them, but we can't do one thing at once anymore because we live in this ADD world and we have to have lots of different stuff going on. So I'm watching TV. I've also got social media going on. And, and I see this event that takes place on Monday night, and it's a bunch of clergy and pastors who come together on the streets of Baltimore, and they start linking in arms, and and they start praying together for the city of Baltimore. And suddenly Facebook stops blowing up and social media starts blowing up. And everyone's like, wow, isn't this a powerful moment? This is wonderful. It's so powerful. And everybody was saying this. And as I was watching it, suddenly I had this thought within me. I didn't think it was so much as powerful. I thought it was a little too late. I thought... This is something that should have been taking place a month ago, six months ago, one year ago. And I'm not saying that, that that was wrong because it was great that they were doing that. But it was a lesson to me as a pastor that, that for me, I need to get together with other pastors and church leaders in this community and pray for our community. And I started looking and I was thinking, it's a little too late. Imagine if they'd done that last week. Imagine if they'd done that last year, last month. Maybe all this wouldn't have happened. Maybe all this situation in Baltimore, this unrest, wouldn't have happened. But why is it when issues happen in our lives, when troubles come, when problems come, our first reaction is to turn to God and pray to God. But so often we turn to God when it's a little too late. We turn to God after the tragedy has already struck instead of before when we sense something is happening. But it's often our troubles and our problems in life that drive us forward and drive us to God. It's the unrest in life that brings us together. And it's the dark of today that gives us a hope for a brighter tomorrow. 
See, when everything is wonderful in life, we love it. But when everything is wonderful, that's when problems start to creep in. When you are comfortable, when you've got the house that you wanted, or you drive the car that you want, when you've got the job that, 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 that you enjoy, when your kids are behaving themselves, and the marriage is looking good, and you know, you're going out on date night, and you're loving it. That is when often we love life so much, but that is so often the most dangerous time in your life. When everything is going well is often the most dangerous time because this is what happens. We drop our guard and we open ourselves up. We ignore the cracks that we see because we want to keep in this wonderful moment. We want to stay in this moment where everything is great and we become comfortable and we like to stay exactly where we are. But this is the most dangerous time in your life when everything is going well. See, most of us today would probably say, Whether you are a believer of Jesus Christ or not, whether you've been on this journey of faith for maybe a couple of weeks or you've been on this journey of faith for 50, 60 years, most of us would probably say that we experience God most when there's problems in our lives. We experience God when there's issues in our lives. We experience God most when when there's trouble that comes into our life. And this is why. Because the Bible says that if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. And so there's something ingrained within us that we know that there is a being who is higher and greater than our problems. So when problems come, we turn to God. And that's what people did Monday night in Baltimore. They turn to God. And so we honestly believe that or, or we sense that maybe if we turn to God, there is this God in heaven, there is this creator who just maybe, maybe if I call out to him, maybe he might be interested enough in my life and help me sort some things out in my life. And so we turn to God. And the Bible promises that if we draw near to God, God will come near to us. So then we experience God when troubles and problems come. You know, this last week, as I was looking through just social media and looking on Facebook, I saw more references to prayer this last week than I have in the last three to five years. It's amazing. You hear posts, pray for Baltimore. Pray for the people of Baltimore. Pray for the city of Baltimore. Pray for the police department. Pray for the mayor of Baltimore. Pray for uh, uh, just the young people of Baltimore. Pray, 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 pray. And it's funny that you see this, and I'm like, you don't see that on a normal week. But because problems come, then we turn to God, and we, we look to God in prayer. And this is something that happened the same with the disciples. You see, the disciples were living the dream. They, Jesus had died. He ascended to heaven. They had to wait a little bit, but then the power of the Holy Spirit comes, and now they are living life what they were meant to live. They were seeing lives change. They were seeing people healed. They were seeing miracles. They were seeing people raised from the dead, and they were like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. They were going around telling everybody, their families, their friends, marriages were restored. Kids who, are, who were rebellious and had, had gone away, they came back into their families and life was good. But then we discovered last week that they started to get a little opposition. And then there was a man called Stephen. The Bible says Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of God. 
In fact, the Bible says that Stephen actually performed many miraculous signs himself. But Stephen wasn't a preacher. Stephen was just a regular guy like you and me. But the Bible tells us that the authorities arrested Stephen. And then they stoned Stephen to death. He was the first man to die because of the Christian faith. And so fear suddenly came inside the, 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 the early church and all the disciples. And they, 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 they looked at each other. And once they were in this happy place, this comfortable place, everything was going good. And now everything was falling apart. And they, 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 they would come to church on a Sunday morning. They would give each other high fives. They would talk about who won the horseshoe competition last night, who won the big fight last night. They would come together and talk about where we're going to go to lunch and, you know, how's your week been? They would come and they would take all the M&Ms from the, from the uh, uh, candy bar, you know. They're always gone, the M&Ms. But they would come and take the M&Ms. They would drink coffee. They would have a great time. But the one problem was is they didn't know if they would see each other from one week to the next because persecution came in and they started killing the Christians. This moment of helplessness. Could you imagine just somebody coming and persecuting you because of your faith? Sometimes you feel so helpless, but this moment of helplessness for these disciples helped the early church actually get on their feet and do what God had called them to do. Let me show you this morning. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, we're going to start reading at verse 1. It says there in Acts chapter 8, Saul, now Saul eventually became Paul. Saul was somebody who was uh, a leader in the, in, the, in the Jewish faith, and he miraculously met Jesus. Jesus revealed himself to Paul. Paul had this incredible transformation. God changed his life, and then he dedicated the rest of his life to, 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 to working for God and spreading the news of Jesus, and he wrote a lot of the books and a lot of the letters in the New Testament. But before Saul became Paul, he was Saul. And he was a bad, bad man. It says Saul was one of the witnesses. And he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them in prison. Could you imagine this week if people, the authorities came knocking on your door and dragged you out and dragged your wife or your husband out of your house because you came to church on Sunday morning? Could you imagine them start beating you and, and killing you and, and, and putting you in prison just because you went to church? What would you think? I mean, if it was me, I'd be scared. I mean, I'd be fearing for my life and my family and, and my home. And this is exactly what happened with these apostles and disciples. But the Bible says, says that as soon as the persecution started happening, the believers started to scatter to the regions of Judea and Samaria. You see, these believers, they had no intention of leaving Jerusalem. They were comfortable in Jerusalem. It's where they grew up. It's where their families were. 
It's where all their friends were, their high school friends and their middle school friends. It's where they felt comfortable. They put down roots in Jerusalem. They knew all the restaurants to go to. They, they, they knew all the parks where to take their kids. They knew the shortcuts so that 10-minute commute could be a 9-minute commute because, you know, we have to save that one minute, right? So they knew all the little shortcuts. They knew everything. They were comfortable. They were making lives for themselves in Jerusalem. So they had no intention to leave Jerusalem. And through no choice of their own, They found themselves eventually following the plan of God for their life. See, I've discovered this in my life. God will often use the pain of life to get you on your feet and moving in the direction that he wants you to go. God won't give the pain, but God will often use the pain in your life to get you on your feet and moving in the direction that he wants you to go. When we started Generation Church in 2010, we had signed uh, a rental agreement with the fire, um, a fire hall in, uh, in Joppa, Joppa Magnolia Fire Hall. And we were going to hold our weekly services there, so we'd signed the rental agreement. And about four weeks before we uh, were starting, I touched base with the guy who agreed with all the rentals there. And I said, hey, just touching base, just wanted to make sure that you know, everything's good. He was like, oh. He goes, oh, I forgot to tell you. We decided to lease a space to another church. And so with four weeks to go before we launched this thing called Generation Church, we now know how had no place to go at all. We were homeless. And so what did we do? We started to pray. Because as human beings, when problems go bad and things happen, we pray. That's what we naturally do. So we prayed. And then we found out that there was a a school, an elementary school called Joppa, um, sorry, called William Packer Elementary School down there on Philadelphia Road that may be available. But the problem was the school year hadn't started yet, and so we had to wait for the school year to start before they would agree for us to meet there. So we submitted the application, and about two weeks before we officially were launching, and we told everybody that we were going to start on like the 19th of September, 2010. And two weeks before we launched, we still had no home. And then the word came through that we got approved to meet at William Packett Elementary. And so now we had to get a bunch of stuff together to make this child space, this elementary school, into an adult space. So you've got like the small chairs, you know, the guys go to the bathrooms and the urinals are like down here, you know, instead of like where they normally are. So guys, you just know, I mean, you've got to be careful. Like there could be a lot of splashing, you know. So, so we, it was just this space. There was no the acoustics were bad and and everything. So we finally got in there, and it took a lot to get the church service going each week. And then about six months in, we discovered we got a phone call from the school saying that they weren't going to let us meet there in the summer. So now we had the issue again. Before we had searched the whole of Harvard County for some space that we could have Generation Church at, where we could have Sunday services, and we found that there was nothing at all. And so we heard the news. So once again, we prayed. But you know, that day, that very same day that happened, I woke up that morning, 
And I felt God, I prayed and I felt God say, you need to call the movie theater. We had called the movie theater before and uh, it wasn't available. There was another church meeting in the movie theater. They weren't open to us having services there. And so we had already checked it out. But that morning I got up and I just felt this urge to call the movie theater. So when the news of the school came in, I was like, well, let me call the movie theater. And I called my contact there at the movie theater and they said, wow, Alex, you would not believe it. Just this morning... The people who were occupying the movie theater on a Sunday morning decided that they were going to move out of the movie theater. And now the movie theater is available and you can have it. And that movie theater was one of the greatest things that happened for, for our church because we were at this school which was so hard to put together each Sunday morning. There was so much equipment. It was burning people out. It, there was no visibility where the school was. And now the movie theater, we went to a whole new level And we're here today because we're able to move from that school. But it took just the pain of being told you're not going to be able to meet here anymore for us to start to look to God. And that's when God started moving us in the places that he wanted us to go. You see, the Bible tells us this. The Bible says, what was meant for your harm, God can use for your good. What was meant to harm for you, what was meant to be painful in your life, what was meant to destroy you, God will use for your good. See, he takes what is confusing in your life to get you on his wavelength. See, even though the pain of life hurts, it's often the hurt in life that can take you to the next level in your life. And this is what happened to the disciples. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. And we've read this verse a few times through this series. But in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus, it was the last words that Jesus said to his disciples. And he said this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then Jesus told them this. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, God's plan for the disciples was that they would go into Jerusalem and share the story of Jesus. Then they would go to Judea and share the story of Jesus. Then they would go to a place called Samaria and share the story of Jesus. And then they would go to the other parts of the world and share the story of Jesus. But these disciples were stuck in Jerusalem. They got comfortable in Jerusalem. See, everything was going well in Jerusalem that they forgot about Judea, they forgot about Samaria, and they forgot about the other parts of the world. You see, when you are pursuing a God vision for your life, when you're pursuing God's plan for your life or God's calling for your life, no matter how mature you are in your Christian faith, no matter how far along you are in your Christian faith, there will always come a point in your life along that journey when staying put where you are seems so much more attractive than going where God wants you to go. It's happened in my life. It's happened in so many people I know. That staying put where you are right now seems so much more attractive than going to the places that God wants you to go. See, who wants to go to Judea and Samaria when you're in Jerusalem? 
Jerusalem was like the best place in the world. It was the best city in the world. They were living in the greatest city in the world. Who wants to go anywhere else? But often God will use the pain of life to get you moving. Now, imagine this morning if you were sitting here and, you know, it's time for church to finish and we all want to go home. And you decide, I'm not going home. This is my chair. No one's taking my chair. I'm staying here until next week, so nobody takes my spot. This is my chair. We're not that kind of church, but, and if you are, then we'll just carry out in your chair. But anyway, but imagine if that was you. And you decided, I am staying put. I am not going at all. And I tried to convince you. Maybe I even tried to get some Bible verses to get you out of there. But you just didn't want to listen at all. And so you, I just couldn't convince you to get out of here. Now the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pull out a Nerf gun. You know those Nerf guns? I'm like, I can't wait till my son is a little older. So I have the excuse of buying a Nerf gun because they're just like the greatest things ever. And so, oh, you had like a super soak or something. Now I started shooting at you with the Nerf gun or the super soaker. Now, are you going to stay in that seat? Are you going to stay there? If you're crazy and you like pain or whatever, then maybe you are. But the majority of you, you're going to get up. You're either going to tackle me or take me out. Or you're going to get out the door and you're going to run out the door. Because we don't like pain. We don't like being uncomfortable. And that is often what God does with our lives. When we get too comfortable, sometimes it's like God has got a Nerf gun and he's just shooting us with the Nerf bullets. He's got a super soaker and he's spraying us with water to get us up and going. See, when we go through the pain of life, it's often used to get us up and going. And when we go through the pain of life, this is what most of us say, God, why have you allowed this pain? God, take this pain away from me. God, take this hurt away from me. Take this off me. God, give me a better life. That's what we often ask. But I tell you, I don't think that should be our prayer. I think our prayer should be this. God, how are you going to use this pain for my good? God, how are you going to use this pain and this hurt in my life so that I start moving in the places that you want me to go? See, God was allowing the persecution in the disciples for one reason. To get them off their butts and start doing the work of God. So they started moving. So you ask, well, where did they move to? Where did God want them to go to? Well, the first place the Bible tells us is they went to Judea. Judea. Judea was just basically the region surrounding Jerusalem and around there. It, was, it wasn't just confined to the city. It was like almost like a state. And what Judea represented to them was people just like them. The people of Judea were Jews just like them. The people of Ju- Judea, they dressed like them. They talked like them. They went to the same kind of chain restaurants as them. The people of Judea, they, they, they lived like them, had same, the same education as them. If, if they had been transplanted out of Jerusalem into one of these other communities in Judea, they would have felt comfortable because life was just almost the same. And our Judea, I believe that God is calling us to Judea. And our Judea is America. Our Judea is the, the people that we relate to. 
The people that we look like, the people that we dress like, the people that we eat the same things, we speak the same languages, we understand the same jokes, we like the same sports. That's Judea for us. And there are communities and cities in this country that if you moved to, it would be like life would still be the same. You'd still do the same things, have the same values, go to the same places, have the same schedules. And I believe that God is calling us as a church to add Judea, to America and the cities and communities in America. And they not, may not be your neighbor that you see every day, but they are people that you know that you can relate to and you can reach. You know, I believe one of the best ways to reach Judea is through the church. See, I believe that the church is the hope of the world. And this is why I believe the church is the hope of the world, because Jesus is the head of the church. And Jesus is the hope for the world, and the church is the avenue that God has used to reach the world. The church is God's chosen way to reach people. And so I believe if we want to reach the people like us, then we need more churches. And we need churches to do what churches have been called to do, and that's go and tell people about Jesus Christ. So one thing that we decided that we're going to do at Generation Church, at the very beginning of the year, we got together with our finance team, and we decided that we were going to be putting money aside each month for church planting efforts. So that we as a church can help plant other churches, start other churches. You see, there are some churches out there, they just want to be big. They just want bigger buildings. They want more people. They want lots of campuses here and there. And that's not us. We're not that kind of church. You see, because we believe that God has called us here to this community. But we want to help other people who God has called to other communities. And so we're going to do some church planting efforts. And we're going to be part of helping to plant and start other churches. And some of you, uh, God is going to use to, uh, use you and you're going to be used in your finances. And you're going to help financially give to other churches. Some of you, you're going to actually go with other church planters and help start other church. Maybe some of you might even move to other cities to help start other churches. But I believe that's, in today's society, the best way that we can reach Judea. And I ask you today, how are you reaching other Americans? Jesus says you're to go to Judea. But then Jesus says, then you're to go to Samaria. Now, Samaria was a region just outside Judea that the Jews didn't like very much. You see, Samaritans were half Jewish, half Arab. And the Jews only liked like thoroughbreds. They didn't like people who were, who were mixed race. They would have hated like myself and my wife because like we were a mixed marriage and they did not agree with that. The Jews only dealt with the Jews, and a Jewish man would never speak to a Samaritan man, let alone a Samaritan woman. So they didn't mix. And for them, God says, I want you to go to Samaria, the place where you don't relate to those people, the place where you don't understand those people, 
The place where they look different from you, they talk different from you, they have a different culture, they have different values, they eat different food, they go to different restaurants, but I want you to go to Samaria. And for us, here in the United States, we have so many Samarias around us. You just have to go down to Baltimore City and realize it's very different to Harper County. That's a Samaria for us. You, you have to go to North Harford, and you see it's very different to South Harford. That's a Samaria right there. You know, I moved to the United States 10 years ago. And we lived in Missouri for two years, then we moved here to Maryland eight years ago. And when I moved, I thought I was moving to the most progressive, free country in the world. Do you know what I found? I found that I'd moved to one of the most racist countries in the world. And we don't like to hear that. But the reality is, Sunday morning in the United States is the most segregated time of the year, of the week. We have churches that come together with just white folks. Then we just have churches that come together, just African-American folks. And then we have churches that just Hispanic folks or just Chinese folks. But we don't like coming together. And it's one of the hardest things in the world to see when you see Christians who won't relate to other Christians because they look different from them, they speak different from them, they dress different from them. And what I've discovered is that us as a church... As Generation Church, we have to reach out to Samaria. See, the church is the hope of the world because Jesus is the head of the church. And if we are not reaching out to Samaria, then who will? See, we are not better than the Samaritans. And the Samaritans are not better than us. And just because someone talks different from us, or speaks different from us, or dresses different from us, it doesn't mean that we're not to reach those people. You know, one of, my, one of my dreams at Generation Church is, I haven't heard from God for us to do it, but I would love, I would love us to have a Spanish church in here, or a Chinese church in here, a Korean church, or, you know, uh, an Indian or Pakistani church. I would love that. They speak a different language, so we, we can't really communicate that well. Like, my mother-in-law speaks Spanish, I speak English, and we have the greatest relationship because we hardly ever talk, but we love each other, and so... We do life together when she's around. And I would love for us as a church to open these doors up, open our facilities up, open our resources up to people who are not like us. That's how you reach Samaria. So these disciples, they went to Judea, the people like them. They went to Samaria, the people not like them. Actually, the people that, 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 that they had prejudice against. People that, that they, they thought were second-class citizens. But they realized that now God was sending them to these people. And then God said, you're to go to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth are beyond our borders. They're the Mexicos and the Central and South Americas of this world. They're the Europeans and the Africans and the Asians and the Australians and even the Canadians. God has called us to go to these people. And I ask you today, 
How are you serving people beyond your borders? How in your life are you helping the message of Jesus go to the ends of the world? Here at Generation Church, we help support different, some different ministries and, and missionaries that are, other, uh, are in other countries in the world, and we help with their efforts. But individually, how are you helping the story that Jesus Christ of Nazareth saves go to the ends of the earth? One of the things that we're doing we're going to do this summer as a church, is we're unveiling a water initiative where we as a church, we're going to come together and we're going to raise money and we're going to find creative ways to do it in order to raise money so that we can build and dig a well in a place that doesn't have clean water. You'd be amazed at the statistics of communities that do not have clean, drinkable water. And we're doing that because everybody's basic right is to have clean water, right? But we believe by doing that, we can go and help people on a practical level. And through that, then others can go and have practical conversations about their soul. And so us as a church this summer, we're going to be doing that. And we're going to be helping to to reach out. You see, God has not called us to stay put. But God has called us to go beyond our borders. So if you are someone who likes to sit on your butt, stay comfortable. Then don't be surprised if God starts allowing some trouble and some pain in your life. Because it's through the problems of life that God often is able to start moving you into the places that he wants you to go. See, as a church and as individual followers of Jesus Christ, we have been commanded by Jesus to go into Jerusalem, which is here, Judea, which is other communities just like us, into Samaria, the people who are not like us, and to the ends of the world, and tell the story that there is a God in heaven who loves them, and there is a Savior called Jesus Christ who gave his life to save their sins, and us as a church, that is our priority, and that is what we need to do. So Generation Church, let's stand up today. Break down the walls of prejudice. Break down the walls that we've built up. Break down our borders and help declare that Jesus Christ is the solution to this world. No matter how much justice there is in this world, no matter how good a police department is, no matter how good a mayor is, no matter how good government officials are, or how many charities help, the real solution to this world is one man. His name is Jesus Christ. And we as a church here at Generation Church, we have the answer right here. And we are the solution to the world's problems because we can declare that there is a God. His name is Jesus. And Jesus saves.